everyone, it's Danielle here, and you know I'm always sad when Kate's not by my side, well, virtually at least, but I have the amazing Jules Dean here, who is the co-founder of The Baby Journey, which is an amazing organization that I went through when I was learning out, learning how to be a mom, because I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, um, but she's also my midwife, which makes it even more awesome. <laughs> she's seen places many people haven't mm-hmm. seen. Um, but yes, yeah, so Jules, say hi to everyone. Hi, everyone. I'm Jules. Yeah, it's kind you? of nice to virtually meet you. <laughs> they love you, Jules. You feel it, you? <laughs> oh, man. So there's so much I want to talk to you about. Okay. And um, I guess we'll just start off the way I start off with all of the people I chat to. I always want to know more about the woman. So before you were a mother or outside of you being a mother, um, how would you describe Jules? Oh, um, okay. Uh, (laughs) well, say I'm now 35. Youngin. Youngin. (laughs) And, uh, when I was 18, I went to university Mm -hmm. and, uh, trained to become a midwife. And I fell into it because my teacher, uh, suggested that I'd make a good midwife and I didn't even really know what midwives did. So mm. I, I fell into it really. And it was a profession that I fell in love with as I went. Um, and then out I popped to university the other end at the age of 21, qualified to deliver babies on a <laughs> daily basis and felt initially quite overwhelmed by the responsibility. But then on the flip side of that, fell in love with the responsibility of it all. Um, and lots of my friends came out of university with various degrees in economics and French and were trying to find their way in the big smoke. Mm. And I was just happily working shifts and delivering babies. Um, so I think being a midwife has been a huge part of the woman that I am because I was delivering babies at the age of 18. That's madness. Yeah. Looking at, you know, women's vaginas <laughs> at the age of 18 is quite a big thing to go through. It makes you appreciate it. Yeah, I, I did. I did. I was in awe of how capable and strong women from all walks of life were. Hmm. And and I was and I'm still now amazed by it. Every time I see a delivery or have a delivery or meet women, I'm amazed by what they can achieve. Um, so that that's a huge part of who I am because it, it was there from really early on. Mm. Um, and and then you know you do the normal thing where you find a man, <laughs> you fall into that trap as well, <laughs> don't you? That you bear trap. Him. You just go out there and, and wheel just, it in, like clubbed yeah, <laughs> him over the head. I thought he'll do. <laughs> so um, yeah, and and, the, and I think like all of those things, it kind of attribute to the sort of person that you are. Mm. But um, I like to imagine. I don't know what the people around me would say, but I'd like to imagine that I'm quite a energized person. Um, I occasionally get the nickname Duracell, like the Duracell bunny, because I, I, I do have batteries that do run out occasionally, but I'm always quite full of beans, mm. I think. And I, and I like, I like to be happy because it rubs off on the people around you. Oh, you're so motivating, Jules, because I'm, uh, Kate's usually the one that's like, keep smiling, Danny. I'm like, no, God, why? <laughs> I can't be doing it. I can't do this. And I just think it's interesting even in, in the, the way you talk about, um, how being a midwife has affected you as a person. Cause I, I think we were chatting about this before we, we have the show, we're chatting with women of all walks of life, some that work, some that don't. But mm. I think Kate and I, especially me, I struggle sometimes with the acceptance that my profession has been a part of my life Yeah, and um, kind of just owning that 
as you evolve, there are experiences that you have, profession being one of them. Yeah. And they change you and they alter you. They do alter you. Do you think that, and and I'm making assumptions here, but in what ways do you think that 18 year old becoming a midwife changed who you were? I think in a lot of ways, it made me grow up Mm. massively because I realized that, you know, there's a, there's a time for laughing and joking and buggering around, but actually when you're and the word midwife is a Latin for some of you might not know, but it means with woman. That's what midwife means. And, 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 and that's a massive, you know, honor to mm. be with woman and to, to look after her and to put some of your heart and soul into her while she's having her baby or while she's pregnant or in the postnatal period to, to do that. They, they then give a part of that back to you. Mm. So you, you, you kind of have this mutual, respect and understanding for one another and of all the women that I've looked after and all the families that I've met through baby journey and through the NHS like all of them have had an effect on who I am and the way that I work and you know you're constantly adapting and my husband's always telling me that feedback's a gift Hmm. and and he's right and when I listen to women and, and and everyone reflects whatever job they do and they think how could I have done that a bit better I think that's about constantly evolving and midwifery is a constantly evolving profession in the way that we work and the demands on the profession. But yeah, I think, I think your profession and what you do massively implicates the sort of person that you are because it's a huge chunk of your week. Yeah. Doing that. So the, the other side of Jules as well is the fact that in addition to being this woman, this midwife, you know, as you said, you, you clobbered your husband over the head and convinced him that, yeah. that he would be silly if he didn't. Yeah, he did you. not put a ring on it. <laughs> Thank you, Beyonce. <laughs> that um, one line that, that we love. I uh, know, I tell you. Um, the curious of, of Jules, the, the mother. I became a mother eight years ago. Mm. So I've got Lottie, who's eight. And then, so Lottie was born in 2007. So James and I got married in 2006. And we went on a lovely holiday, on a lovely honeymoon <laughs> to the Maldives. And when we got back from the Maldives, I remember vividly doing a night shift and I was really sick mm. on this night shift. And working nights can sometimes make you feel a bit bilious. Good <laughs> word that, bilious. <laughs> and uh, and a, a lovely midwife I was working with at the time said, are you sure you're not pregnant? I said, no, I'm not, I'm not pregnant. It's only been one holiday. I've been I mean, I'm not pregnant. And I said, I just feel really sick. And she said, yeah. I said, I think I've probably got like a bit of a bug or a virus. And mm-hmm. she went, yeah, but that bug doesn't make your boobs bigger, does it? <laughs> And I thought, they are a bit bigger. And they're like, check me out. Yeah, check me out. So midwives, although we can deliver babies, we can't possibly haven't worked out uh, the early signs of pregnancy just yet. So I was pregnant with Lottie. So I was really pleased that, in a way, I felt like Lottie had just been given to me. I Mm. fell into it. Mm. And I realised I was pregnant and I googled prams and bought magazines and started to try and get my head around it. And... And, and the pregnancy just passed without any problems and along she came. And like a lot of women, well, all women with their first child, everything changes. Mm. Everything changes. All of a sudden, you've got this small person. And I think for me, it was the overwhelming sense of responsibility. But mm. the buck stopped with me if she was poorly, if she was unwell, when it came to her development, her learning, her eating, her everything 
It's not one her pooey. Her pooey, her weird, <laughs> everything came down to mummy and what mummy can do to help that out. And I constantly looked at my friends around me because I think in pregnancy, you you have this set of notes and you, you're pregnant and you, you go and see your midwife and your midwife says, yep, yeah, you've done this, you're not smoking, you're not drinking, the baby's measuring fine, your blood pressure's okay, brilliant, come back and see me in a few weeks and whatever. But when you've had a baby, no one like checks in and tells you that you're doing a good job. There's no appraisal, there's no IPR, there's no like one-to-one with some authority figure who comes to the house and says, actually, you're a really good mother. And no one tells you that. No right. one. And I found that really hard. I found that hard that no one could tell me I was doing a good job. Hmm. Apart from, like, your mum. But then your own mum tells you that you're good at everything most of the time. Yeah, she, yeah. Yeah, you know, and you're like, no, I want someone independent to come and do some sort of assessment. Party. Yeah, who comes and tells me that my child is doing really well. And that, you know, is there anything that I could do better or... Yeah. But there isn't. It's just this big void that you just have to get on with it. And your only kind of port of call is your other mummy friends. Yeah. And I think that's why mums come together and stick like glue. Yeah. Because it's your only way of knowing that you're doing all right. So if your child is a complete... Has a complete meltdown over the fact that you won't buy them this in waitrose and they're on the floor kicking about. And all the other mums look at you like... <clears throat> look at your child, you can't control mm-hmm. them. And you feel really crap about that. And then your friend goes, oh, no, don't worry about it, because so-and-so like, <laughs> had a complete meltdown the other week in the street. And then, you know, I mean, Lottie, the stories from Lottie, I mean, she pooed in Waitrose. She mm. was bent down looking at something and this poo just <laughs> fell out. So I remember, like, having to deal with this poo on the floor in the car down at Waitrose. And then, um, you know... And then, yeah, lots of different things that... And there always is that other person that catches you in that moment in yeah, the store. Where the you're person just like, you just don't want to see. Yeah, or even just the stranger who's, like, giving you this look yeah. of judgment. Like, you either... I know for a fact you were a child at one yeah, point. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. You had forgotten. Yeah, you just completely... There's no... Um, they tut at your children and... Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's why mummies come together and stick like glue. And daddies, too. But I think... I don't know that dads talk about it as much. Yeah, I mean, at least, yeah, at least like, he's just so chill about it. But what yeah. it, it just, like, you know, things happen. He's kind of oblivious to what other people think, yeah. which is a great quality, um, which is probably why we're paired up, right? Because I'm very keen on, okay, no, I saw that look. I know what that means. I, I'm, I'm not missing the cues that you're sending me. Yeah. Um, uh, which means I'm this hypersensitive person if, you know, if Dowdy has a meltdown in the store. Like, I'm yeah. like, oh, we can't do this. Look at all these people staring at us. Yeah. When in reality, you have to find some balance to that, yeah, right? Yeah, you do. Um, but it's interesting you say why moms stick together. Because I think, and and again, we can always challenge ourselves. Because a lot of times we have these conversations that suggest that, oh, motherhood is a, is a friendship that's kind of based um on air a little bit. Like you come and you find these people that you might not actually have been friends with had it not been for yeah. you having a child of a similar yeah. age. Um, but you bring a depth to that. Like you want, like it's good to hear you say that because it's not on air. It's right. on a similar experience Yeah, that I just want to know. I just want to be even remotely validated yeah. that I'm not doing harm to this little person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or doing them a disjustice. Yeah. It's about just that kind of, communal understanding and like you know the mummy friends that I've had 
from when Lottie was a baby. I mean, a lot of them were totally different to me, older than me, younger than me, dressed different to me, worked in completely different fields to me, had more money than me, had less money than me, came from totally different backgrounds. But we all had this common goal that we loved the kids. We loved getting together and chatting because that made us feel less mental mm. than just staying at home with the kids. Um, and the kids liked playing with each other. The kids the kids became friends. The kid, You know, the, these babies grew into toddlers that then became preschoolers. And then, you know, they were having conversations all of their own. You're yeah. like, well, you guys know one another because of us. Yeah. Um, and I think it's about recognising that you don't have to fit a mould or look a particular way or dress in a way to make you a good mum. Mm. You, just, you just have to know what it is that you're doing to a certain extent and love that child and want that child to be happy mm. and be happy around that child. The, the basics, apart from, you know, feeding them and wiping their bums yeah. and all that crap that comes along with it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, those are easy things, really. But it, it's, it's, it's for me, I went on a big journey to realise that I didn't have to behave in a certain way to be a good mum, that it was all right that James and I every now and again got a babysitter and went out and got smashed on cocktails together <laughs> like that was okay hmm. there were some mums that didn't want to do that and that was fine they didn't want to do that but for James and I that was a huge part of who we were before and every now and again we like a little snapshot of who we were before hmm. the kids came along and we like to do that together hmm. and that doesn't mean that every parent should do that but for us that's what works and every now and again we'll have we'll just zip off somewhere and have two nights away just the two of us because it's important to remember in our eyes that kids need a happy mum and dad in our eyes together mm-hmm. is, is the ideal. But in order for Jim and I to be happy with each other, we need time without them. Oh. It's just us. Jules, you're like, why are you tapping into my soul? Okay. <laughs> so I, because we still, we still have another baby to talk about. Yeah. Um, but before we get there, I have to, I have to pause you and kind of hear a little bit more. When did you feel like you all were ready to, like as partners, to kind of reinvest in yourselves? Did that happen? Really yeah, it did happen quite quickly. Oh, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed and I'm, I'm applauding you. It happened quite quickly, but then there was also circumstances that kind of speeded it up. So when Lottie was about a month old, there was a wedding, a family wedding, mm-hmm. and that was the first time we left her. And we left her with James's mum and I left her with a manual that was about 15 pages long. <laughs> Which I think she probably put in the bin as soon as I'd gone because she's had four kids. She's like, I'm its grandmother. Go on, you'll be fine. The baby's going to have chocolate anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's just a month old, but we're cracking on. Um, And and I cried when we left her. And then I fast-forwarded a few hours and I was on the dance floor with a glass of champagne in my hand. Didn't give it a second thought. You had to Um, give the obligatory cry and then you could get drunk. And then we had some friends when Lottie was about... 14 months old and they were getting married in the states in Ooh. miami so we, my hometown yeah your hometown oh. well, actually was it it was west palm beach it was a bit further up, it is it? a little further up. yeah sorry <laughs> way to get me excited here yeah sorry because <laughs> we flew into miami i kind of remember it was a bit it was a bit further up so um and we didn't take lottie so we left lottie with our friends uh, my best friend Hannah, we, we, who's the co, who's the co-founder of the Baby Journey, um, and they they looked after it, and we went for five nights. My gosh, George! And do you know what? We had an absolute blast. We I'm just, sure you did. We had an amazing time. <laughs> 
And you know, you're like my mom hero. I you know. understand this because I, I'm, I am struggling with that reality of it's the what ifs that yeah. are hindering the, and, and oh my gosh, it's like, if, if Doug listens to this, he's going to be like, you have to hang out with Jules every single day. <laughs> I did have a moment when the plane took off. <laughs> oh no. I had a moment where I thought I'm actually really far away from her. Mm. But then James and I had a walk along the beach. Aww. We like went to this wedding. We got all dressed up and had swanky canapes and champagne mm. and for these, like, four days, we, like, you know, gosh, we had sex. That was that was a revelation, I tell you. You're like, that can happen. Yes. <laughs> and CPPs isn't on in the background. This is incredible. Um, so, yeah, so we... I, I realised then that actually us as a couple were just as important mm. as us as parents. Mm. Just as important. And that we needed to invest time in that. So sometimes months will pass and it will just be like a night out at the cinema or a night out for dinner. And then other times, if we're really lucky, we'll rope grandparents in and they'll have the children overnight. Mm. Um, you know, Lottie's getting to the age now where she'll go away on brownie camp for a couple mm. of nights or whatever. Um, and, and also she's at the age where she'll say like, you know, mum and daddy have like, have fun. Like, Aww. she, she recognises that it's not about, you know, leaving her. It's not about leaving her. No, it's not that we don't want to be with her. We do lots of stuff with the kids all the time. It's about mum and daddy needing that time. I'm going to push you a little further. How much do you do for yourself? Um, I know probably that, yeah. like a lot of mums, between work and the kids and James and the house and the business, there isn't an awful lot of time. But saying that, um, I am currently pregnant with baby number, th- well, baby, fourth pregnancy, but third baby. And um, I am now doing pregnancy yoga every week. Mm. And I have to say, I absolutely love it. I wouldn't give it up for the world. And I wish that I'd done yoga or something like yoga or Pilates or whatever, the gym, whatever, prior to that just because it gives me this time on my own mm. in the quiet and the calm and yes I am focusing on my yin and my yang mm-hmm. but then occasionally I think oh I must forget to buy bog roll when I go to danger <laughs> so it does give me that little headspace right. where I can kind of rationalize stuff and right. remember and think things through and I I don't I, I I would like to think that I'll carry that on Afterwards, yeah, it might be wishful thinking. No, no, no. But we'll, we'll see. Yeah, well, we've got it on record now. So yeah, so, so you know, and, and you know, like that. That my lovely husband Jim is really supportive of stuff like that. Yeah, and he does circuits five times a week. He's mm. up and at circuit, so we kind of support each other in having our own time, if you like. Jeez, so many nuggets. So many nuggets. Nothing. Chicken nuggets. So many. No, they're not. They're at least high quality. Nuggets. And they're high quality. Yeah. Okay, they're, right then. Maybe like lamb nuggets. Gold, or maybe gold nuggets. Gold nuggets. Yeah. Gold nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about um, your your second child at, or uh, yeah. The other so I had so then so Lottie was born in 2011, and then we decided that Lottie needed a sibling. So we got cracked on and and very fortunately uh, Oscar arrived in 2011 so I had a little boy to complete the to com- complete the little nest if mm. you like one of each which everyone always says is a pigeon pair I think we call it oh, okay. one of each there you go um and then when Oscar was a bit older we we decided that perhaps we'd like a third one to add into the nest 
And uh, having never had any problems with my pregnancies, boom, we fell pregnant with the third one, no problems whatsoever. And then I got to about 10 or 11 weeks um, felt really super confident that everything was fine. I'm like, I felt sick, so I felt terrible. Yeah. So therefore, I felt confident that everything was absolutely fine. I'm losing everything, so this yeah. must be great. I feel awful, so things must be good. Mm. Um, and then had a bleed, had a really big bleed mm. and went for a scan and it had gone. It had died. Mm. It was over. And I, I, I remember that moment because it's a bit like being hit by a bus. Mm. Because all of a sudden you think to yourself, but, ooh, what, well, why? What, what did I do? Why, why, why have I had two mm. that have been absolutely fine? And, and how am I going to tell those two that mm. this, because they, they knew, yeah. you know, um, and, ha- you know, what, what have I done? Why hasn't this worked out? I was completely gutted was the word mm. I would use. I, I just couldn't get my head round what had gone wrong. And I went through everything, like, oh, I did have that latte one day. Maybe mm. maybe that wasn't decaf. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. And and James was brilliant. He was upset. He was sad. We were both sad. But he helped me to realise that we hadn't done anything. It was just one of those things. And as a midwife, I know that it happens to lots of people. But I never – it was that classic. I didn't think it was going to happen mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And so we went through all of that. We told the children. The children were just – really really upset you mm. know I remember Lottie taking the scan picture that we'd had first that was absolutely fine mm. and putting it in a little box with some flowers and oh, she oh. created this little shrine to this little person mm. and she went through all this was it a boy was it a girl I'm like I don't know I don't know the answer to those questions so we took ourselves off away on holiday for a few nights and sort of talk we kept talking it through with them and then they just accepted it they were like oh well it didn't make it um and um you know, it, it's wherever now, um, can't do anything about it. Um, and we just all kind of came to being at peace with it. Mm. And I didn't want it to be this big secret that we didn't talk about. I didn't want them to feel like they couldn't ask me about it. And I had, you know, I had a little bit of time off work. I had, I think I was off work for about two weeks and then I went straight back into it because life has to carry on mm. and everyone around us was a bit sad but you just you just move on and and I think actually on reflection it's given me a really big indication and I can really understand when patients that I know or women or friends that I know have a miscarriage I can confidently say I, I know how you're feeling mm. I, I know I know about this is you you feel bad right now you feel really hurt and sad and and I feel lucky that I had Lottie and Oscar to to kind of push me on because yeah. you feel like just climbing into bed and staying there, but the school run needs doing, the dinner needs cooking, the house needs sorting, the washing machine's still got to carry on and life still keeps moving you forward. And I had the kids to help me do that. Whereas I think if it's your first miscarriage or your second or your third and you have no living children, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't imagine the pain that you must go through with that because they my two were there as additional support to really understand how I felt and I felt really blessed to have had them actually because they helped they really helped it was hard telling them but they really helped what do you tell other women that are that have gone through it and that maybe you know they're still because even even when you say you know you just crack on and yeah that's and I've had a, a number of friends now that have gone through um miscarriages later 
earlier, you know, it's just been interesting kind of seeing this as a, as a person that had no friends at one point that had, you know, we were all just single, no children, all that stuff. And yeah. now you're dealing with these real life issues. Um, how should people or, or, or as, as a profession, as, as a professional in this world, how should you, what should women be doing as they, they talk about it or not talk about it? Like what, how, what tips do you have for people? I think, I mean, it's difficult because it's horses for courses and what seats one woman will not see another. Mm-hmm. But I think if you can talk about it with someone, whether or not, you know, and I think dads, you know, there's a man involved in mm-hmm. this somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think men, you know, I can remember James going to work and when he got to work, he said to one of his colleagues, oh, Jules, is, Jules isn't pregnant anymore, she had a miscarriage. And his colleague said, why, why are you here? Mm. And James went, I don't really know why I'm here. And, and, and he said, go go home, go home to your wife. And James came straight home and he was like, I'm so sorry, I left you. And I was like, it's okay. Well, I didn't question him going to work. Mm-hmm. I was like, go, no, no, go to work. But actually, we spent the day together just huddled up on the sofa, having a little cry every now and again. And that was our day to just not get over it because I don't think you ever get over it but that was our day to recognize what has ha- what mm-hmm. had happened to us mm-hmm. and the sadness that we felt but also the blessing that we felt having Lottie and Oscar yeah yeah so that actually saying I'm really glad that I think sometimes you don't realize you've got it good until you see the bad mm-hmm. I think that's really common in life isn't it mm-hmm. with lots of different scenarios but in this scenario in particular it made me realize that my body I ha- there's, a, there's obviously a feeling that you think that you're fa- that you've failed, mm. that your body hasn't sustained that pregnancy, and that it tricked me into thinking I was still pregnant. Because up and right up until the bleed, I felt sick and tired, and I was really spotty, and I felt my boobs were big, mm-hmm. and my and the baby had hadn't been there for for a couple of weeks. Oh. So it made me realise that the, my body had tricked me; it, it suspended me in this state of being pregnant when I wasn't yeah so I think initially you feel a bit cross like what why would you do that but then I realized but it in the two previous occasions look what look what it did mm-hmm. it grew those and I delivered them and they were strong and capable little people mm-hmm. and I realized that our body hadn't let me down before. It was this was just a blip. This was just a one-off. This was just a horrible, sad moment in time that you have to remember makes you feel grateful for what you do have. But I think for other women, I would always I'm a big fan of talking about stuff. If that feels right for you, talk to them, talk to the man in your life, talk to your girlfriends, talk to your parents, talk to your GP, talk to anyone that you think is gonna sit and listen and help. And I'm also a big fan of writing it down. Hmm. Do you like, journal a lot? Yeah, yeah, I journal a lot. Um, I use an online, I use like an app and just do like a daily, you know, if I feel like it, yeah. I just jot down, you know, and I sometimes go back and read and recognize that I was sad, but actually right now I feel fine. Yeah. And I think it's sometimes just about writing it down. Again, as someone that has not gone through that experience, uh, forgive any ignorance here, but I find that you're very brave, and I think this is the word that I've always thought about once I found out that you had a, a miscarriage yeah. and that you're now pregnant. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a celebration there, but I also think there's a bravery there. Yeah. Being able to being able to say we're going to try again. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling with with that transition? I mean, I know it's been a while. So yeah. So I had a miscarriage in November 2014. Okay. So it's been a while. Yeah. And then we moved house and got busy with the house and extensions and all that jazz and then 
started celebrating. Started celebrating, <laughs> having a bit of time back to ourselves, and then and then happily found out that we were expecting again last October and or into early November. And I remember feeling very nervous. And if I look back at what I wrote then, yeah, I was really twitched. Yeah. yeah, I was really nervous. I was worried mm. that, you know, and actually this time we kept it a real secret. Mm. We hardly told anyone. We didn't tell the kids because I didn't want to put the kids through it again. Um, there was only a small handful of people who knew. Um, and, yeah, there was some bleeding at the beginning, which made mm. me think history was repeating itself. But then it, it was fine. And that made me realise that, you know, a lot of the time women do bleed in pregnancy and it's fine. Um, and then, yeah, and the scans have gone on and the, you know, time's gone on and the bumps grown and the kids know. And I feel like I'm past that point now. Good. I feel like I'm past that point of worrying that it's not all going to work out because I can feel him moving around all the time. And and that then reassures you when you think it's okay, I I can do this. This is all right. Mm. So I don't, I don't tend to think about it too much anymore, but then I'm happy to talk about it because I think I'm hopefully contributing to that, that pool of women that do talk about it, that make you realize that you're not on your own if it happens to you. Yeah. Yeah, and you said that you gave me the status of one in four. One in four. We, yeah, one of the research shows is one in four. And actually, that's one in four that possibly the hospital know about. Mm. But obviously, some women will miscarry earlier at home mm. and don't feel the need to tell anyone. They don't need an operation. They don't need any medicine. They just deal with that at home. Mm. So maybe the number's higher than one. Maybe it's like one in three. I don't mm. know. But it's you'd be amazed when you tell people that you've had a miscarriage they'll either say, oh, yeah, well, I, I have as well many years ago, or, yes, I, you know. I mean, I remember one of my mum's friends saying to me, and we're sorry that you and James had a miscarriage. And I was like, oh, thank you. And she went, yeah, we had it. We had a miscarriage. And this was like 30 years ago. But these women still hold on to that. It's still a little person, yeah. a little pain, a little kind of, you know, um, an experience, a bad experience for them that they still hold on to. But... I'm not going to prolong this much longer, but no, I do fine. have to ask, as as someone that has had friends go through it, how have other people supported you that maybe weren't in your family? What what can people that are outside of your immediate family do to help people that they know that have gone through it? Especially, oh, how- My friends were just amazing. Yeah. Amazing, amazing, amazing. I can remember I got like little gifts. Mm. Chanel always helps. Like, <laughs> Chanel, Tiffany, yeah, Diamonds. <laughs> but just like, oh, Jules, we're all going to go to the cinema on Thursday night. You come in. Mm. I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm coming. I'm coming. And, you know, they give you that when they hug you, they like hold it on a little bit tighter. Mm. Like, you're right. Mm. Like, they don't want to bang on and dwell on about it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's that knowing look, that, that little arm tap, that if you need anything, or the little WhatsApp or the text that says, you know, you're looking great you know, but here if you need me for anything. Yeah. That is that level of support, that little constant chip chip that I knew that I could ring any of them up and say, can we meet for coffee or can we go out for wine or whatever because I'm feeling a bit... But I didn't I didn't actually feel that I needed to, to do that for too long. Mm-hmm. It kind of passed. Yeah. But I think it's just that, that knowing... I think the worst thing you do is not mention it. Yeah. And that... But then you equally, you don't want to go on and on and on about it with them yeah. when possibly they're just trying to move on from that. Mm. So it's that balance of letting your friends know that you're there for them with their little WhatsApp or text or a little gift or a little card in the post or whatever. 
Um, and it's just that kind of knowing look of, I'm here if you need me for anything. I thought for me, that was amazing. Jules, you're, honestly, every time I talk to you, I feel like she's more and more, <laughs> more of a, more of a rock star. Well, here's, here's where, um, I think this is why Baby Journey, when I did it, felt so authentic. Yeah. Um, I, I am one of those biased people where once I find something I like, I'm like, screw everything else. <laughs> Drink the Kool-Aid. This is what you should do. But, you know, just hearing this and then you know, having this time to chat with you a little bit more about the, your experiences and just who you are and all of this stuff. Like, it makes so much sense, mm-hmm. actually, that you would then shift into this entity that is supporting women through their first pregnancies yeah. or, or if they want to do it again, a pregnancy. But, um also so that they have a place to connect yeah, and, and just feel like they can be open about their questions. So, mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit more about the baby journey and kind of where it spawned from, what it is now, where you're going. So the baby journey is a company that's run by, um, my best friend, Hannah and I, a bit like you and Kate really. <laughs> and I think women, which, are, women great. Yeah, <laughs> which I think goes to show that women are very powerful when they come together with an idea because, um, you know, the baby journey spun completely out of an idea over coffee. So Hannah and I have known each other a long time. She was there when Lottie was born. Um, so we have a very special connection and a special relationship. Um, and then when she had her first baby, I was having my second baby. Mm. So our boys um, are, are seven days apart in age. Oh, okay. so, um, so we were on maternity leave together. And I vividly remember that the boys had chicken pox when mm. they were about six months old and they were covered in calamine lotion. And mm. Hannah and I were in quarantine. We couldn't take them out anywhere because it was a bit chilly and they have these big spots all over them. Mm. So we were at Hannah's house drinking tea. While they had a- while they had chicken box, yeah. <laughs> so we were we were chatting. Parenting one oh one. Yeah. <laughs> and we were gossiping and you know, chatting away and we were talking about antenatal classes and about the types of mothers that we were. Mm. Um and that actually we wanted to convey this message to other parents that there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to birth. Mm. There isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to being a mother either. Um, and that we'd found our different ways of doing things. And then we started to think about the fact that we could teach antenatal classes and that actually midwives are the best, are the, are the people in the best place to teach those classes because they deliver babies, they look after women, they have first-hand experience of becoming a parent. Mm. But then the mother in us, from what we'd experienced, we felt like we had a reasonable amount of experience to, to say to other parents, yeah, it's okay. If, if you, if you do this, that's fine. But if you don't want to do that, try this, you know, mm. it's about trying stuff out. So we just decided that actually we thought we could probably teach antenatal classes and that maybe we should give it a bash and, and start. So we started, you know, neither of us have a lot of business experience. We've been midwives, you know, for, we had been midwives for quite a long time at that point. So, we sort of slowly but surely, whilst juggling three children between the two of us, came up with a logo and a name and a basic website and a Facebook page. And we found a venue to teach our classes. And we thought about the content of our course. And then we stood around with clipboards in town and recruited people. Aww. And we just bravely stepped forward into the unknown and thought, well... The worst thing that can happen is, is this won't work out. Hmm. That's, 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 that's it. And actually, 
that's not that bad because we've given it a go. Mm. But the most likely outcome or the best thing that could happen is that this will work and that we will feel like we've achieved what we set out to achieve. So away we went and the baby journey started and we had three couples who who we're still in contact with. Their children are like nearly four now. Um, And we away we went and the course adapted and changed along the way and we added things in and we took things out and we you know we brought people on board and we've got other midwives that come and teach with us now and you know we we started off with three couples and we now on average have 24 every four to five weeks and the feedback was good the feedback genuinely said we like the fact it's run by midwives. We like the fact that you guys are really friendly. We like the fact that we've made friends, mm. that we've got this little gaggle of couples that we <laughs> hang out with and drink tea with and occasionally, you know, everything from go on holiday with to go and watch the rugby to have nights out to go for afternoon tea to meet at the park. There's been a phenomenal amount of events that have taken place that Hannah and I have been amazed at, you know, that these couples have gone on to do. But... For us, delivering our bit was to make them feel like if you give birth in the pool, that's amazing. And if you give birth in theatre with eight people in there and lots of beeping machinery, then that's amazing as well. And look how incredible you are. You've grown that baby. You've been brave. You've delivered it. And afterwards, if you look a bit bedraggled and there's poo and wee everywhere and your kid <laughs> cries all the time, that's okay because you look what you've done. It's all right. Chip away at it each day as it comes and be proud of what you've done. Don't ever feel guilty about the fact that you had an epidural. Don't feel guilty about the fact that you bottle fed. Don't feel guilty about, you know, the fact that you don't look immaculate all the time. No one ever does. It's just a a sort of front for the record Jules does no 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 I really don't no I don't I'm just a big fan of strong lipstick (laughs) but it it it, you know it it was about saying it's okay it's all right there isn't a a pathway that you have to go down that leads to a big shiny gold medal and a flipping round of applause for doing so well Hmm. like you get dealt a deck of cards your baby's breached your blood pressure's up you know you just don't know what what's going to happen and your goal should be the same as it is when you first find out you're pregnant so when you first pee on that stick in the bathroom and you think oh there's a special little light inside of me and no one knows about it yet. I just want that little light to be okay. I just mm-hmm. want that little light to grow and to be nourished and to be okay. And we shouldn't lose sight of that at 40 weeks or 41 weeks or <laughs> whatever it is. Yes. Um, we shouldn't lose sight of, of that, of that being our goal. I just want you to be all right. I just want you to come out. I just want me and you and daddy to all be okay and to go home and collapse in a heap on the sofa mm. and, you know, be British and have a cup of tea and reflect on it all. <laughs> I think... Us Americans have tea too, okay? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just bigging it up, making out that we've been drinking tea for longer than you. <laughs> You have Gatorade. We have Gatorade. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, uh, but that—that's what I, you know, the, the funny enough thing is, is I'm I. Uh, again, I always laugh about Kate and I because Kate's the one that's always like, "Everyone's great, Danielle," and I'm like, Mm-mm, "I'm skeptical. We need to evaluate. Let me see your birth certificate and your social security number and all this stuff." <laughs> um, and and I don't know if you remember, but when I when I walked into your class, I was just kind of like, "Oh gosh, okay." We're doing this. I don't really know what's going on. Um, 
I like Jules. Like, that was always the thing I remember. I was like, I really like this lady. I don't know much about her, but I like her energy. Um, and it was just like the little wise cracks you'd make, or it just made me feel normal in a space where I didn't feel normal. Yeah. Um, and then with the other people in our class, like they've all become our really good friends here. Yeah. Again, something that I did not anticipate on yeah. class one. And that goes back to showing that people from all walks of life yeah. can really yeah. congeal under this experience. Um, so I just find it fascinating that I went from being one of those people who was just like, Okay, so I'm going to learn how to be a mom in this class. To be like, I love Baby Journey. It is the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> I'm so glad. I mean, I'm, we're both that are really glad we, we took the course. Because we, we learned basic things. I think for some people, maybe they have those resources of people that tell them, you know, simple things like how to change a nappy. Or someone like me that thinks she already knows how to do this. But you guys were talking about different types of... I mean, if you're listening, you're a mom or you love someone that's a mom, right? So like yeah. different types of poo and what that yeah. means and not to be afraid if you see yeah. this versus that. Yeah. Um, just things you don't realize you don't know. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's all fair while reading it in a book, but there's nothing like someone actually in front of you who appears to be fairly trustworthy, which I hope <laughs> we are. You are. Yeah. Um, saying to you, yeah, no, no, this is fine. You know, I think we're all different learners mm. and I know from my experience of all sorts of different types of learning that I learn best when someone is in front of me talking me through it Mm. so like I can remember like a lot of people when you've got to sit an exam or revise or get down to doing a tax return or something (laughs) you'll find anything to do to get out I'll I'll just bleach the floor or I'll just (laughs) yeah I'm pretty sure all the beds need changing (laughs) and uh, I definitely need to pop out to buy some milk I need to refold the laundry yeah yeah, I need to do you know and I think the books are okay but you know you sort of skip past it all and you think oh I don't really know that I'm that interested in it I might go and you know get a drink or go out or whatever Mm -hmm. but I think when someone is in front of you putting a bit of energy into it like Hannah and I and Becca and Jen and Fletcher we do it's like it's okay yeah try that and there's nothing like being presented with a plastic dolly that's covered in marmite to make you realize there's an awful lot of black poo coming your way (laughs) and then that that's gonna change you know and then like looking at other couples and thinking oh they don't seem to they don't know what they're doing yeah i feel a bit better because everyone else is completely clueless and you know your learning curve is massively steep yeah but one thing that we can't teach you on baby journey that you have to discover for yourself is the sort of parent that you are going to become and also the overwhelming love that you feel for the for your child like everyone knows parents love their children but until you have your child in your arms you know you you just don't you completely underestimate how that feels Mm. I just don't think anyone knows until they do it oh not at all it's an incredible feeling and we don't bang on too much about it at the baby journey because you're all going to experience it you know, um, but it is, you know, it is amazing. You know, that is, I mean, and I think the fact that you know that is probably what makes baby journey so well, because I think if you spent a lot of time trying to convince us that, Oh, you're just going to, you just, you're going to have this amazing experience. Yeah. We'd be like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. Get on right it. now I'm like 30 something weeks. I'm just, yeah. My piles are killing me. I've got really bad indigestion. <laughs> shut up. And get on with what shut up about this yeah. thing that's adjusting my yeah. lungs. Right yeah. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, even before you got here, I was looking at a picture of daddy and I was just like, God, I love you. Like, I yeah. just don't know how anyone would have explained that to and me. And it just, and it just gets better. You know, like you'll give it to you. Because right now we're hitting two. Yeah. <laughs> Two's an interesting experience. 
Um, but it just gets better, you know, like Aww. the kids just crack me up with what they say and what they do. And, you know, like they're just lovely. They drive me completely to distraction and I shout at them and, you know, I, you know, I, I've ordered them to their room and I've banned things and I've, you know, <laughs> I've, I've been like a dragon of a mother because all mothers are. I'm tired. I get in from work. You know, they've decided to get all their Play-Doh out and stick it to the floor. And, you know, I'm desperately trying to cook a semi-healthy food for them to have. But all I want to do is, you know, pour myself a massive gin and tonic and sit on the sofa. <laughs> And you're like, damn you, parenting restrictions. I have to get this done. Right. I have to get your school uniform sorted. I have to mm. do your homework. I have to do this. But then all of that will just disappear when Oscar comes over and says, Mummy, you're so beautiful. Aww. And gives me a kiss. And I'm like, oh. They just make you melt right from inside. How do you forgive yourself for those moments when you're, when you are the dragon? I don't know, really. I just, I think, you know, I'll, I'll, like a lot of mothers and fathers, you know, you've shouted at them and you put them into bed and then you get on and do some other stuff and then you go and kiss them goodnight before you go to bed. Mm. And you think, oh, I love you so much. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry that I shouted at you. But I love you even more now you're asleep and quiet. <laughs> I feel like I was still justified in my shouting at you. Yeah. Now I love you more. You find, yeah, you find me a parent that hasn't raised their voice at their child or felt frustrated or, you know, they just don't exist. Yeah, and if we do find them, they definitely won't be yeah. on the show. They're like, they're like a robot or something. <laughs> no, you are not interviewing them. Whether you work or you don't, whether you, everyone has moments in their day or in their week where you could just pull your hair out mm. you know they've forgotten that it's pouring down the rain the car won't start this has happened that's happened and you feel your stress levels just elevating mm. and you feel yourself getting really like Argh! and even the most serene of my friends will still lose it mm. i know we all do we all do we'll all just shout at them and bark at them but you know like my mum and dad barked at me every now and again it's just and i think you know lottie will say I've had a bad day, mummy. Like, <laughs> she's had a bad day. Yeah, I have had a bad day. <laughs> oh. um, but it's just, you know, I don't know that I I probably do just forgive myself quite quickly. That's actually. good. That's good. Yeah. We need to have you back. So we, we want to give you some time to think yeah. about how you do that. Yeah. Um, I've made you, you know, I think I've made you spaghetti bolognese with organic beef. I'll forgive myself <laughs> for shouting at you. It's fine. Oh, it could have been that. I could have used that injected beef. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I could have just bought you a Happy Meal. So just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I want to just make sure we, we is, is there anything else about um, like where do you envision baby journey going in the future oh I don't know that's that's a tricky one so the baby journey is growing um, as lots of our customers will know clients customers whatever because it's kind of just so the listeners know it's kind of a VIP you know get in if you can you'll get left out standing outside of the club if you don't you know get on the right there list is a, there is a bit of a club thing going I'm on telling you the like there's journey. a wait list you gotta get and in And a lot of people tell us that, you know, they're like, well, Baby Jane is quite cool. You know, Baby Jane it is. is like, it's quite a kind of, but I like that. We're like a go-to brand now. First of all, let me make sure I'm being clear. I love the fact that I feel like I'm going to, to like the Tiffany's of, of, <laughs> of groups. Okay. Yeah. That, that's a selling point. Do not change yeah. that. Um, but then also I'm going to give away a little bit of what you guys do. 
way to get your partner, you know, this might be gender stereotypes, but you guys serve beer. Like, you yeah, have it as an option. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> a big part of our course is dad having a pint. That's, that's <laughs> a big part of our, you know, and that's our, that's Hannah and I, that's our husband's influence. They're like, look, antenatal classes can sometimes be dull as dishwater. So, for God's sake, <laughs> give the men an opportunity to at least have a pint of Guinness. <laughs> Which they had every time. Yeah, and, I was just like, and the beer is popular. The beer is, you know, a lot of women will say, you know, we, we were going to do your class and then we weren't going to do it. And then my husband said, well, they do beer and the other class don't. So we're doing the one with beer. So sometimes yes. it's this simple winning over factor, really. <laughs> and I think men have low expectations. When they come in, they look bored. Yes. They look like they've been dragged to there. <laughs> they would much rather be at home watching the football, cricket, darts, match, whatever they're into, playing on their Xbox, whatever. Right. They don't want to be there. And then... You know, and I think that's why we impress them because it doesn't take a lot to impress someone who thinks it's going to be absolutely, totally awful. Yeah. Yeah. So they come in and we're like, hi, do you want a beer? Do you want this? And we don't get them to do anything awkward or uncomfortable. We don't get them to lie on the floor or do any awkward icebreakers or stand on their chair or whatever. We don't do any of that. We just chat and make jokes and... You know, there's a few sexual innuendos thrown in there. Because to be fair, no one would be sat there if they hadn't had sex. So we can get that straight out on the open. Right. And we talk a bit like, you know, breastfeeding causes vaginal dryness. So along with a good bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon, you might want to put in some lube for your first time going at it after oh, you've had a baby. And this is, this is no filters. This is all part of what we chat about. Because possibly the books don't tell you that. Yeah. You know, I can remember... You know, there's a couple of jokes that I crack at the baby journey, you know, about the fact that mums do poo when they give birth. Like, a lot of women do. And and a lot of women are like, oh, my God, I don't want to do that. That sounds awful. And I would say to the dads, if she does, you'd never tell her. Don't ever tell her that that's what she did. The midwife will very discreetly get rid of that. And if she says to you afterwards, oh, my God, did I poo? Your answer is, no, darling, you didn't. <laughs> Every time. She doesn't need to know that. Do you know what's funny about that joke is that Doug, I remember Doug hearing that. And unlike those reasonable partners that were there, <laughs> he then said, interesting, came back home. He's like, so I just need to make sure they allow me to have a camera. <laughs> and then I'll take the And then I'll take Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So thank you for that. I did not end up in that situation. <laughs> but um, he, it's like things like that, though. Those little jokes, those things yeah. that make people feel like this huge life-changing event yeah can still be fun yeah and humorous i think there's a sort of perception of whenever i tell someone i'm a midwife the first thing they usually say is well one well not so much now i'm 35 but when i was 25 a lot of people used to say well you don't look like a midwife i'd be like well what do midwives have to look like i don't know and i don't know whether or not sometimes there's a perception that we're sort of bit fuddy-duddy really and very straight-laced and very strict and very matron-like and very um you know like there's one way of doing something and you must breastfeed and you must bite down on this bit of wood to deliver your baby and not scream and make too much noise and then you know you're going to do everything that we tell you to do and I think actually when they're faced with the front of the baby journey which is you know Hannah and I they're actually we're there in our denim shirts yeah rocking a you know some uh 
quite cool highlights and uh, skinny <laughs> jeans and high heels and whatever. And we're like, you know what? It's all right. We're, we're mothers. But, you know, you might well find us in 21 Club, totally rocking out <laughs> with a massive jug of cocktails. Not, not so much right now, so, you know. Yeah, no, but soon enough. But soon enough, as soon as the percent is out. And, um, and you know, like, but that's okay. That, that's all right. Because, you know, we do a really good job. Mm. And you don't, you don't have to conform to one particular way of doing things. Like, there are alternatives. And, you know, we want you to feel like it's okay to be the sort of parent that you, you know, you can be. And you, you, and it's a big part of who you are, mm. you know. And I think it's just about being as individual as you can, really. Well, I know you might not know where Baby Journey is going, but I think it's going pretty, pretty far. I mean, anyone that knows, it's it's it's, it's the cool kids club to get into. So hopefully people will continue to, to get in and see the benefits and see yeah. how it's different. Um, we'll make sure that everyone has all your information and all that stuff so that yeah. we can share more of the awesome. Share more. And I think I'd like to think that, you know, as the, as the next sort of six, 12 months go by, that we will, first of all, start teaching it in another location. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's, it's an organic growth. Yeah. You know, it, it's grown based on its own performance and its own popularity. Yeah. And the fact that it's an honest, good service, I think. Yeah. And I think people get a feel for that. And, yeah, hopefully it'll grow that way. We'll find another venue. We'll bring more midwives on board. Um, we'll grow the website, and we'll just take it from there. We kind of started off not really knowing what our plan was, mm. and the plan is slowly forming. We didn't, you know, it's a it's 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 a labor of love. Yeah, well, it is it is a labor of love that's doing a lot of good. Yeah, and helping people like me that are are kind of fighting the. That you should do it this way. Yeah. Know that they can still do it their yeah. way. Yeah. Um, there are two things that I wanted to just make sure I brought up before before we closed out. But feedback is something that you were talking about from you know from the baby journey perspective. Um, but I'd be fascinated to know how you deal with feedback as a mother. And okay. I mean, just because I know that's something that I struggle with. Um, I'm, I'm still a new mom, you know, Daddy's going to be too. So I still figure there's a lot of feedback that one can give, that one can get, but it's like learning how to, how do you walk that line of, you know, maybe dealing with, with in-laws or your own parents or, um, older friends, how you seem so good at feedback on the professional angle. I'm wondering if you've given any thought to how you receive feedback as a mother um, and your parenting and I things like that. For me, it depends on which way the wind's blowing, you know. <laughs> or are you bit, just like, no feedback, I'm yeah, the mother. I think a lot of the, you know, not a lot of the time, some of the time, you know, like a lot of women, I don't take criticism very well. Mm. If, if I'm a bit hormonal or a bit tired and, you know, if someone makes a comment, you can totally take it the wrong way and think... You know, and I think you get very protective of your children. Mm, yeah. There's a massive lioness instinct. Yes. <laughs> and you yes. think, if you say that to my child again, I'm going to, you know... But, you know... But, I don't know. I think a lot of the time you... Like at school, parents' evenings and stuff start coming on board mm. when they're sort of four, five. And I think that's always a good sort of reflection on how you're doing because obviously if your child is doing well and I don't mean you know just getting A stars and everything I mean are they settling into school okay are they happy are they 
eating their food? Are they making friends? Are they playing? Are they mm. like that's to me more important at this stage with small children than well, what grades are they getting? How clever are they? Yeah. Because I think you could be the cleverest person in the world but have no social skills. Mm-hmm. I think those social skills are really important. Right. So I think it's a good bit of feedback if the teachers say to you, yeah, you know what, they, or even you know that every morning they get up and they go into school and they're like, bye mum, see you later, yeah. see you at three and they're happy and they've, you know, they're playing and they're eating and they're going to parties and they're having friends back and you're encouraging that social activity. I think that's a little bit of feedback for you, yeah, for yourself to see that they're settling in okay. Feedback that you can take without ripping <laughs> someone's head Yeah, without ripping <laughs> someone's head off. I don't know that, I, do, I mean, I mean, mother-in-laws, they're just an entity all on their own, aren't they? Don't, don't incriminate yourself. I, I can't. I'm, but, but I just wanted if my to... mother-in-law could actually work out how to listen to a podcast <laughs> on her computer, I might be in trouble, but I don't know that she will. She'd probably have to ring my husband to work out how she could anyway. So I, I think... just want to, for the record, I tried to save you. I tried to save you. You tried to save me. Um, um, she knows me well enough by now. I've been her daughter-in-law for 11 years. Yeah, so she knows, yeah, she knows me well enough. Well, it was, you know, it's just something that well, I know I often think about as a... As, as you kind of grow and you want to rear your child a certain way and there are people that you love that may have feedback. Um, so it's just good to know that it's not something that I'm struggling with alone. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, the day does fluctuate. I do feel like some days I'm like, Oh, that's, that's reasonable. Or then other days I'm like, that's absolutely no, I can't believe yeah. you even thought that. that and was I'm going to go home and fester about yeah. it. For hours at a time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I can remember one incident when Lottie was about two and I'd made um, some food for her and I sat her in the high chair and my mum was sat at the table as well. And I have a great, great, amazing relationship with my mum. She's incredible. And um, she probably wouldn't fathom out how to listen to a podcast either, so I might have to tell <laughs> you're her this. Safe, you're safe. And, uh, I'm safe. And, uh, but I, I remember having like a plate of food and I put it down in front of Lottie and I'd, of course, done that thing that parents do where they eat a bit first test the temperature, yeah. it's fine. Yeah, so I've given it the okay, right? Right. So Lottie picks a spoon up and she's eating it and then all of a sudden my mum's like, this is too hot for her. And I'm like, no, it's not, I've tested it. She's like, no, no, it's too hot. Grandma will cool it down for you. And I was like, back off, woman. I've done this already. I've tested it, you know. And I remember being super sensitive to things like that. I can remember that. And my mum still ribs me about it now. She's like, well, you had a right face on me when I told you that. <laughs> she was like, you are about to be way... Uh, sensitive. And then the other thing, Jules, I wanted to just chat about was the idea of um, women being powerful. I feel like that is a, you started off with that. I want to wrap up with that because I think motherhood is empowering. It's really empowering. But it also is something that in full disclosure that when I talk about it with Kate on the show, like sometimes it's like, Oh, but it's changing me, you know, and it's kind of like with a hesitation. Um, but I was really excited the way that you framed it is like seeing those vaginas at 18, yeah. right? <laughs> that was a wake up call. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, if you could just elaborate a little bit more on like, you know, how you've changed your view on women, like how your view on women has changed. Um, yeah. As you navigate football. Well, I think, like, as a young woman, I saw, you know, like a lot of teenagers and in my early 20s, it was all about what you look like and mm. what your boyfriend looked like and, <laughs> you know, like, what, like, how you could go out wearing the least amount of clothes as possible and, you know, I, of course, went through that stage where I was much more concerned about what I looked like and, you know, 
um, that kind of, you're still blossoming, aren't you, in that like late teens, early 20s, you're still blossoming. And then, and then I was in this really privileged position where I started seeing babies come out. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, this is, this is amazing. Like mm. these babies are perfect. And mm. these women are strong and they might growl during the labor <laughs> and they might huff and puff or, you know, end up in theater or whatever. But they're, they're amazing. They just, get up and get on with it. I, I hope I'm like that when I have a baby. And actually, there was times where I didn't feel like that when I had a baby. But on the whole, I look back now and I think, no, I, I, I did okay. But women, I'm constantly daily in awe of what women achieve and what men achieve. But I think being a woman, feeling like women are wired very differently in their minds and I'm certainly not like a man hater no. at all. In fact, I've loved a lot of men in my time. <laughs> but, uh, but I, 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 you know, I, I, I think sometimes when you're praising other women, you have to be careful that people don't perceive that as man bashing. Because you're not. Men are men. Yeah. They are lovely. And I often joke that I've, you know, got three children and Jim's the one that needs the constant attention because <laughs> he does every now and again. But, um, like I'm, I'm constantly in awe of what my friends achieve, what what my my sister is amazing with what she achieves, and just generally, I just think women are are incredible, and they. I feel really lucky in the country that we live in that you know that I'm going to go all political on you, but there we go. But here we go. <laughs> but that the, the, the Hannah and I are are free yeah. and able to just decide to start a business and crack on yeah. with people around us that are like, yeah, keep girls, go for it. Go go on, go for it. See yeah. what you can achieve. And then along the way, you know, people like you and Doug have been like, oh, we loved it. It was brilliant. Keep going. You know, you feel like you're just running a really long race and everyone's cheering you along. And that's an amazing feeling to be surrounded by people who, you know, our parents, our friends, our siblings who were like, no, Jules and Hannah have done really well with this. And I think, you know, if we'd been born into a different culture in a different country in a different way of living, then none of that would have been possible. Mm. So I think you have to seize the opportunities that are potentially in front of you and run with them. And, you know, I, I, just, I just think women are, I think being a midwife is such a privilege and an honour to watch what women are capable of and to share with them a very special time in their life. Mm. Because a lot of people, you know, I'll never see a baby being born except their own, and it's not exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, they just won't get that gift. Um, and, yeah, I, I just think women achieve amazing stuff. Mm. I'm so excited. I'm so glad we chatted with you. You're yeah. the best, Jules. Oh, no, you too. I mean, I just feel like, oh, the... I'm just, you know, you guys, I always feel, I have so much feeling. So I'm just, I'm just so glad that you shared that with us and, and just, and, and it's that women are powerful. The mothers are powerful. Yeah. And, and that there is, yeah. And that you can be any type, you, you, you can be a good mother, a really, really good mother. And you can, you can look the way you want to look. You can dance the way you want to dance. You can, you know, you can shout at them occasionally, it's fine. <laughs> you can, you know, it's about, I think you're right. Sometimes we struggle to remember who we were before, mm. but that's, that's, it's really important that you remain that person because, especially when you have a daughter, I think, mm. because I want Lottie to grow up and see me providing financially for the family and loving that mm. and not being a job that I hate that I, has to, I have to do to bring home the money. And I know a lot of women have to do that. Yeah. But I want her to see, 
I want her to have the role model that I had. Mm. And I saw my mum working in a very similar job to what to the job that I do. I saw her being fun and and bringing us into line and, yeah. you know, giving us a good old telling off when we needed it. But at the same time, she was always there with the right words, the, the hug, the love, all of that. I want Lottie to grow up. And she has some seriously strong women in in mm. our family. My mother-in-law, you know, particularly, and my mum and, and lots of aunts. And I want her to grow up surrounded by that really encouraging, nurturing, like, women's nest mm. of all women of all different ages um, who who will inspire her to do what she loves to do mm. and to, to grow feeling like she's beautiful on the inside and the out. Because I think that's what women need. They just need that support initially and then they're on it. Then, then they're strong enough to go forth and conquer. Well... There's not much I can say after that. Yeah. So, uh, this is why, wisdom. this is why I hang out with Jules. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is why I keep having babies so that she can, yeah. um, this is why I can't retire till 65. I know. I'm <laughs> doing this. Oh, but it was amazing chatting with you, Jules. No, I really appreciate you. I feel very honored that you asked me to come around. Oh, you? no, no. We are honored, especially after I was honored when you said yes. And now I'm even more honored that you, um, that you shared all of this with us. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And like I said, mamas, we will have all of Jules's information. Um, she's on Facebook, on Twitter with, with the baby journey. Um, so we will make sure you have all the information to harass her and beg her for more good feedback. <laughs> okay. All right. We will talk to you soon. Ladies. Love ya. That's it for now. Y'all. If you're looking for more, you can find us on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, at go ahead. Mama. If you've got thoughts on the topics we've covered so far or new stuff that you'd really like us to talk about, email us at letstalkmamacita at gmail.com. We'd also give our firstborn if you would leave us a rating and a review on iTunes, since that's the best way to help new mamas find us. Huge, huge thanks to our intern, Reese Ravner, and to our producers, The Mediocre Parent Show. Check them out at MediocreParentShow.com or on iTunes. Until next time, thanks, mamas.